Well, I know it's not the easiest thing to come back in this weather, but we are glad that you are here tonight. Uh, sometimes I have found, and I've heard this from other preachers from whenever I was younger, that sometimes it's good to have two, two sermons ready, just depending on who is here, and some that you, you may want to target to some specific people who may be here. And tonight was one of those nights for me. I'm actually, I know in your bulletin, it, it says that we're going to talk about baptism tonight. I'm going to hold on to that sermon. Um, I was specifically hoping, there may be some here tonight who really need to hear that sermon. Uh, but um, judging by what, what I can see with the crowd that's here tonight, I'm going to hold on to that sermon uh, for another Sunday night uh, with some of our uh, visitors that have been coming on Sunday nights uh, recently, and we're going to pray that they, they come back, and then we can talk about that a little bit more. On a side note, uh, we have several people that have been asking about baptism. We have some studies going on right now, so let's be praying about that. I won't name any names there, but uh, just uh, some of those conversations are going to be coming up more this week, so we would appreciate prayers about that. But tonight, what we're going to actually do is go to Ephesians chapter 5. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to spend a little time in this text, just walking through it tonight, because it's going to touch on our Thanksgiving theme that we spoke about this morning. If you were able to be with us this morning, I know that I benefited a lot from being able to sing all those songs about Thanksgiving, about reading those, those scriptures about Thanksgiving, about focusing on that, and, and not just waiting until November, or the, the third, third and fourth weeks of November to focus on that, but uh, to be focusing on that already. And tonight's text is going to play into that as well. Ephesians 5 is going to tie together several things. Ephesians 4 is largely about the unity that God desires in his church, about the growth that he's looking for in his church, about the spiritual gifts that we've been given in order to administer that, that growth. And then he gets into a lot at the end of Ephesians 4 that's specifically about how we relate to each other in the body of Christ and the behaviors that we used to engage in before we were a new creation in Christ and how that's different now, now that we are a new creation in Christ. And that's going to continue in chapter 5 because this theme of walking is going to continue to, to come up here in chapter 5. And in fact, if you want to just do a quick look at this, and by the way, you'll find this on page 788 of a Pew Bible from Ephesians 5, but you will see the idea of walking in verse 2. I know that you will see it also in verse 15, and you may see it in other places in this chapter as we go down through it. We've already seen it some in chapter 4 if you have read that uh, recently. So walking is an idea that our, I think the Bible uses that so much to capture our relationship with Jesus because that's what his disciples did. They walked with him. Uh, they did sometimes sit with him and sometimes stood with him and, and they would listen to him, but they're their ministry was about activity. It was an ongoing walking from town to town, from person to person, from mission to mission, and it was actively engaging the work. And I think that's one of the reasons the Bible keeps coming back to that metaphor of walking with Christ, because we are imitators of him. We are participants with him. It's a participatory verb that gets us, gets us going if we are walking. And so that's why this chapter is going to keep coming back to that. Verse 1 here, as we read through this, is going to be one of the foundational statements for what Christian ethics are all about. Verse 1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. 
I mean, if you boil down what the ethics of the Bible are about, it's that statement right there. Be imitators of God. Now, it's pretty much another way of saying what we would say, what Jesus would say to his disciples is, follow me, come follow me, come walk with me. We ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. If we are walking in the light, then we walk in the same manner as he walked. We walk with him, we observe him, we learn to imitate him. So we, we are doing everything as he would do it. If Jesus is God in the flesh, then it would make sense that we become imitators of God by seeing how Jesus lived his life. Well, how would God treat this person? Well, look at how Jesus talked to that type of person. Look at how, what Jesus would say. What would Jesus say to someone who had characteristics of a Pharisee? What would Jesus say to someone who had characteristics of, of a, a, a lonely Samaritan woman who's coming to a well because that's probably the, the time of day when she, she wouldn't have been welcomed at other times of the day. She's very isolated. She feels rejected. How does he deal with her? How does Jesus deal with all these types of people? And then we observe and we imitate. We start to walk in his footsteps and Therefore, we become imitators not only of Jesus in the flesh, but the character of God himself. Uh, And here's the extension of that. Verse 2, and walk in love. And specifically, that love is built on just as, so it's a direct analogy, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. And offering in a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now he's going to come back to that analogy at the end of this chapter. We won't get this far in our lesson tonight. But he's going to talk about specifically husbands and wives. How that relationship is built on the model of Jesus' love for us. Of giving himself up for us. Now here's what that's going to mean in the verses that follow this. First off, that walk in love, specifically the sacrificial love of of Jesus. And and verse 8 is going to to talk about how that that walk, walk as children of light. There's our word again that we're going to see in verse 8. That's specifically where it is. It's it's a walk of love. It's a walk of light. Those those ideas are tied very much together here in this chapter. So that's what we want to ask what that is tonight. What What is the light and what is the love that we are walking in? What does that mean for us? What, what he's going to first talk about here are some of the things that are excluded from that walk, from love and light. Here's some of the opposites of love and, and light. If you want to see what love and light are not, you look at verse 3, uh, 3 through 5, some, some things that are listed here. Let's walk through them. I'm reading from the New American Standard translation here. I realize that some translations may use some different words here. But immorality, sexual immorality, that's a broad term for, for something that is outside the Genesis 2 model of what sexual ethics should be between a husband and a wife. Sexual immorality or any impurity. There's another related word, but it gets beyond just sexual ethics. It can get into a lot of other things. God desires purity of us in our thoughts, in our actions, uh, both in the realm of sexuality, in the realm of business practices, in the realm of everything. And that's why this next one, he's going to say, immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Okay, so, so things that would be unethical, even in, in the realm of, of coveting things uh, that do not belong to us, but there's a desire for them and a desire that, that compels us to do things that are outside of what God would have us to do in order to attain them. That, that goes against love, to do unloving things in order to gain them, or even to think that we're doing loving things, but we're just doing it with the motivation of accumulating for ourselves. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. What does it say about these things? They must not even be named among you. Okay, There must not even be a hint of these things. 
I think is what some translations will say here. As is proper among saints or holy ones. And then verse 4. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk. Now he's getting into the words of how we sometimes can express impurities even in the speech that we use. So verse 4, filthiness, silly talk, or coarse jesting. That I've preached before on humor. I think humor is a wonderful thing. I think it comes from God. I, I think that Jesus himself has a sense of humor that he, he uses many times. Uh, but there are definitely some forms of humor that step outside of love and they step outside of the light. And we need to avoid that type of humor. Uh, coarse jesting. Humor that, that goes along with these impurities and sexual immorality and greed. Uh, that, that's the type of humor that is not fitting for those who are the people of God. And that's what it says here. It says it's not fitting. I mean, ultimately those things, those, those, that type of speech is not fitting for the people of God. Now notice what verse 4 says. Here is a contrast. You may say, well, why, what does giving of thanks have to do with all of these other things here? If we're talking about sexual morality, if we're talking about greed, if we're talking about impurity, if we're talking about telling dirty jokes, why does he bring up giving of thanks here? I think what he's telling you right here is if you have patterns in your thoughts and in your speech and in the focus of your life that are focused on all of these other things that fall outside of light and out of love, you want a strategy, a strategy for developing new patterns in your life, for your thinking, and for your actions, and for your words. Focus on the giving of thanks. That's your answer. I mean, ultimately, that is going to, it's not only uh, going to, to be whenever you come together in worship. We talked a lot about that this morning, about how when we come together, that that's one of the main reasons why we are here. It's to enter the courts of God, to enter through his gates, to come into his courts with hearts of praise, hearts of thanksgiving. Uh, we do that, so we join in worship. But even in your daily walk, a lot of this is getting into what's going on in your, your mind, in your words, in your actions, once we go outside these walls tonight. Once you're in your workplace this week and you're dealing with a difficult situation and you know you are you're standing around with some buddies and they start the course jesting or or you're out at lunch with some some folks who are uh, are, are talking about men or women in that room in a uh, in an inappropriate way and you're faced with what do I do in this situation and maybe my patterns have been to join right in with that because that's what I've known that's what's easy that's what's accepted and that's just what, what I have done. You've got to develop new thought patterns. You've got to develop new behavioral patterns, new word patterns. And all of that comes back to focusing on what we talked about this morning. God is good. God is righteous. He is gracious. He is compassionate. And how do I respond to that with giving of thanks in my mind and in my words? That's going to help you develop new patterns in your life. New patterns that will be in step with walking in love instead of walking as the world walks. Verse 5, here's the reason that's given here. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man. Now that, those three correspond to what's just, just been used back up in verse 3. Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Now he, he says the type of people who demonstrate sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, or greed... Uh, those type of people, they, they characterize here as idolaters, specifically covet, coveting is a form of idolatry. And it says the ultimate end is that none of these will have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Uh, this, is, this is the world's thought patterns and lifestyle patterns. 
This is not the lifestyle patterns of the people of God. Uh, we, we have become a new creature according to the chapter before this. Our life should be different now. All right, let's go on. Let's see what verse 6 is going to say. I want us to get a big picture of this chapter tonight. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness. Now this is not the first time he said something like this in Ephesians. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 starts off with a reminder of who you used to be. And if you read that chapter, in Ephesians chapter 2, it's going to say, you know, you, you once were, were children of wrath. That, that is where you walked. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Now we'll get to that expression more in our spiritual warfare series and what that really means. But that's basically a way of saying you were part of the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the world, where he is God, where he is is. D- People devote themselves to to his practices whether they realize it or not. That's who you used to be. Don't think that you've never been there. You have been. You were formerly darkness. That's who you were. Outside of Christ, that's where you are. But if you are in Christ, then it's different. And that's why he says the rest of this verse. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That may be, sound like an overly simplistic statement there, but we need that. It's driving at home. This is who you used to be. That's no longer who you are. You've, you have developed patterns in your life, some habits that are still in step with the world, that are still in step with the prince of the power of the air, that are still in step with darkness. Those need to change. Not all of that changes overnight. He's writing to Christians. He's saying that this is still difficult. This is where discipline comes in. This is where prayer comes in. This is where that armor of God, which we'll get into in more detail in future lessons in chapter 6, comes in. If you're going to be transformed, it's going to be a day-by-day process. But this statement of reminding yourself each day, you are no longer darkness. You are light in the Lord. That may be something you need to say to yourself every day this week. Uh, I wake up and say, I was formerly darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. Therefore, I'm going to walk as a child of light today. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in the light. Now, he tells us what the light is. Some of this is going back and forth here. He's interacting with who you used to be, what is excluded from the light and from the love, and now who you are in Christ. And now he talks, he uses this word, fruit of the light. If you look at verse 9, he says, The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There's four elements that's given to you right here of what the fruit of the light is. That's how it's characterized. This is what the, a walk in the light is. Now, if you look at every one of those, those first three, goodness, righteousness, truth, are those not connected with God himself in the scriptures and his character? That's why we go back up to verse 1. Be an imitator of God. All this goes together. You want to walk in the light, it means imitating God. You want to imitate God, it means walking in step with Jesus Christ because he was God in the flesh. Uh, You want to walk in love, then you're grounded in who God is because God is love. All of this is grounded in who God is. Goodness, righteousness, truth. That's why we have to spend time both in the scriptures and in prayer because we have to get to know God anew every day if we are going to live as he is 
as he is to those who, who are in this world. If we are going to become that, that way, to be as God is, uh, the, then we've, we've got to renew that relationship with him every day. We've got to spend time in that relationship. And so ultimately we are learning what is pleasing to the Lord. If you look, look at verse 10. I know sometimes uh, we, we've had some discussion in our Bible classes about, well, do we do the right thing just because it's right or do we do the right thing to please the Lord? Uh, my answer to that is yes. It's not an either or. It is, yes, it's a both and, because what is right is pleasing uh, to the Lord. And that is part of our motivation, is to want to please, please the Lord. Uh, and what pleases him is for his children, those whom he regards as family, uh, to respect him enough uh, to want to, to treat people as he would treat them. Now, if you go on down and, and see what, what that means about the deeds of darkness... He comes back to that in verse 11. You see a back and forth in this chapter? He's, he's saying, okay, this is, this, is, uh, this is where you're going. Walk in love. You know, walk in the light. This is where you were over here. Don't go back to it. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. Don't go back to this. Don't go back to this. Okay, so it's going back and forth with that throughout this chapter. So again, some reminders of where you were. Look at verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Now that's interesting. We've spent a lot of time there if we're honest with ourselves. And if we are also doing an honest assessment, we will come to the realization that there, it's not going to be productive time. It's unproductive time. If there's no other motivation here at all that you're seeing, it's that that, that lifestyle is not only not pleasing to God, it's not only outside of love and outside of light, it's not fruitful. It's unproductive. It's an endless cycle. It's, it's what you get into in a book like Ecclesiastes where you feel like nothing, you're not getting anywhere if you're not fearing God, keeping his commandments, if you're living the, the life of the world where it's, it's just an endless pursuit uh, of trying to have to get name recognition and seeking pleasure of your body and, and all the things that we, we do when we are in the darkness and none of them ever come through for us, at least not in the end. They may have give us some temporary pleasure. They may give us some temporary fame or popularity or whatever else that we get out of that. But in the end, we realize they're unproductive. And then the, so he gets into this element of time that's part of this as too. That's part of this discussion as well. It, it says, before we get to time, some more, because that's part of productivity, he says that we, we don't participate in that, but we expose that. That's what we're exposing whenever we're in the light. Light exposes darkness. John chapter 1, if we're grounded in the character of Jesus himself, John chapter 1 uh, talks about how Jesus is light who has come into darkness, and the darkness has not overcome that light or, or has not mastered that light Maybe the best translation there uh, meaning that the light is going to be stronger than the darkness even though the darkness will resist the light and the darkness certainly resists the light it puts up a fight but the light is more powerful now if you are in the light then you are living a life that is light in the world, as Jesus says, you're a city set on a hill. You are uh, a light that you are shining. You're not hiding it under a bushel. You're not ashamed of what you believe. You're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. You're walking in step with him in a way where others can see that light and can give glory back to God the Father. You are exposing darkness in the process. You're spreading the kingdom of light 
into the lives of other people. He says, that's what you focus on. That's what you're about. This is a very practical chapter. It's telling you what your, not only what your Sunday is about, but what your Monday is about, what your Tuesday is about, what your Wednesday is about this week. It's about focusing on, I'm going to be an imitator of God. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to be part of the light. And in the process, I'm going to expose the darkness. Rather than participating in it, you participate in it, you perpetuate it. You, you participate in light, you expose the darkness for what it really is. You shine truth on it. And that's what we need. And I need more of that in my life because I've still got these pockets of darkness. And, and I, need, I need God's light there. Um, or else I'm just going to perpetuate it in my life and in the lives of others. This whole chapter, you know, maybe we could put the heading here, driving out darkness. I mean, that's what this whole chapter is about. This is about how we all participate. If, we are, if we're on board with it, we can participate every day of our lives in driving out darkness. And boy, if you look at the world around us, does it not need some darkness driven out? Just on your own street corner and in our community as a whole and in, in your own home, in your own heart. Uh, let, let's, let's focus on that. Expose the deeds of darkness. Verse 12, For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Again, that idea of see, secrecy is associated with darkness in the scriptures. But look at verse 13. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Bringing truth. When Jesus talks about truth, he talks about it in terms of light coming into darkness. Darkness resisting and those who are in darkness not wanting that. But once their, light adjust, once their eyes can adjust to the light, to the shock of that, maybe their eyes will be opened up to that they, they've been living in a cave all along and have no idea of where the good life really is. You can show that to them by the way that you live. Verse 14, for this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. An expression that's probably going on uh, in, the, in the early church here. Uh, to say that, uh, you know, associating that idea of being darkness with, with laziness, with un- unproductivity, with, with, with everything else that we've talked about here. Awake. You know, get, get, get a, you, you are alive in the Lord. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's where you were, according to Ephesians 2. That's not where you are anymore. You're awake in the Lord. So live as if you're awake. Let Christ shine on you and you reflect his light into the world. Verse 15. Therefore be careful how you walk not as unwise men but as wise. There is wisdom that goes along with this walk in the light. And then it says here redeeming the time or making the most of the time is what my translation actually says but redeeming the time is, is truly the idea that is here. And it says, because the days are evil. Now there's our time element again. Remember the darkness is unproductive. It sucks away a lot of years of your life, a lot, a lot of hours of your life. But when you come into the light, you have the opportunity. You can't undo what's been done in the past. That's not what redemption really means. But it means that what you have been given from this time forward as a steward and as an imitator of God, if you live it in the light then you're going to be able to see fruit. You're going to be able to to see something real, something of substance that you haven't seen before. It is a redemption of the time. Wasted time over here. Now you've got a chance to have time that is producing fruit, time that is spent with the Lord, time that is walked in love as Christ loved you. Verse 17. 
So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we're getting into some of the practical instructions of what this is going to mean. So we are redeeming the time. We are understanding the wisdom that goes along with that. That wisdom is grounded in, in getting to know the will of the Lord. So again, spending time with him. But verse 18, here's one of the ways this is going to play out in your life. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation or excess, I know some of the translations will say, and then we'll talk about what, what that means to be filled with the Spirit in just a moment. Now, we've been reading all of this, and that may seem out of place. Well, maybe it's, it's saying, okay, well, you know, we, we've been seeing that jumping back and forth. This is what the darkness is over here, and, and that's not who you are. You are in light. Again, this is not who you are. You're in light. So it, it, it fits the pattern of going back and forth here. But this getting drunk with wine may seem like it comes out of left field here. Well, where, where, does, where does that come into this? Drunkenness in the Greco-Roman culture was seen as, as a form of intimacy, a form of intimacy with Bacchus or the god of wine. The contrast here is intimacy with this god of wine or the substance that's behind the god of wine. That type of intimacy being contrasted with what is in the light, you can have a much stronger, a, a, a truer, a real intimacy, and it's an intimacy with the Spirit of God. That's the contrast here. Don't get drunk with wine. That's, that, is, that is unproductive. It's part of the deeds of darkness. It is giving yourself over as a slave to something. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's serving the world. This is where you used to be. That's not what your life is about now. Don't you see the waste that is involved with that? And he says over here, instead, you could have, you could be filled with the spirit of, of the living God instead. The two different ideas of what you could fill yourself with. Rather than looking to a substance for that, for some kind of temporary relief from your troubles, why don't you look over here in the light to being filled with God himself who says he wants to be in you. Now what does that mean? You want something mind-altering? You want something soul-altering? You're ultimately not going to find fulfillment in that by looking to it in a substance. You're going to find it with a life lived in the Spirit of God. This is a cheap imitation of it over here. You want, to find, you want to find it, you'll find it with Him. Now having said that, well, how am I filled with the Spirit? Well, that's what the next few verses are, are saying. Trying to, 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 trying to follow best we can tonight the flow of, of Paul as he's being inspired by the Spirit, his flow of thoughts as he's connecting these ideas. So don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Now how are you, what are some of the ways that you're filled with the Spirit? Well, here, here it is. How do you exercise that relationship with the Spirit? It may be what we would say. It's part of your walk in the light. Well, here's some of the things that are mentioned here, beginning in verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, let's pause right there for, for just a moment. You know that sometimes... The, the idea of, of looking to a substance like alcohol to loosen you up a little bit. Some people will, will look to that and, and they'll even 
that there's a certain fellowship there. Some people go to drink alone. Some people will go to be in a community with other people as they are drinking. So they they're finding some type of community in that. You know, even you know we we often will see depicted you know drunken sailor songs. You know, of people who are singing when in, when they're del- in 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 some type of of union with this activity together. Again, that is a that's a cheap imitation of what you could have when you have a true celebration without having to lose uh, the, the, the control of your, of your mind and of everything else that, that can go along with giving yourself over to a substance. If you are grounded in the Spirit of God, there is a much richer, a truer fellowship of, of people who are there who are celebrating. And they sing songs, not drunken sailor songs. They sing songs of, of being united in, in Jesus Christ, of walking in the light together. It's part of how they exercise being in the Spirit of God together. They speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Three ways of describing the content of what we not only speak to each other, but what we even sing to each other. And we, we sing and we make melody, and specifically that melody is said to be here in the heart. There's no need for uh, an outside instrument to be brought in besides the own, our own heart. The melody here, I mean, literally it says you're plucking the strings of your heart. That's where the melody is being made. It is vocal music that is, originates in the heart. That is what we are, are doing with each other whenever we are together. And verse 20 says that we're always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Well, gathering together for worship is part of how we, we exercise what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what it means to walk in love, what it means to walk in the light, what it means to, to really teach and encourage each other to say through our songs, through, our, through everything that we do together when we worship together, specifically here through our singing. We sing to each other so that we can recite these truths where they will be in our minds, they'll be in our hearts this week as reminders. This is who I am. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Now, what can wash away my sins? Nothing, you know, what can, what, where can I go to, to get rid of my troubles? Maybe another way of saying that. No, not to, to a substance, not to impurity, not to sexual immorality, not to the things that the world goes to. I'm being grounded by the words that we're singing to each other of my life is in Jesus Christ. I'm filled with his spirit. I'm walking in love. And when we sing, we're, we are reinforcing that message in each other's hearts that we're going to carry with us throughout the rest of this week. And I hope those songs pop into your head on your way to work tomorrow, on your way home, when you're in a difficult situation, and you think about these, these words that we've been singing to each other. It is theology about who God is and what he has done for us and who we are together as the people of God that we are reinforcing in each other. That's what's going on when we sing. There's so much going on there. The last verse I want to focus on tonight is just verse 21. Where it comes back to those relationships, how important that is. You cannot understand all this and what it means to be in the light and then just try to live your life in, in isolation from other people. No, you are part of a community of those who are in the light. Fellow light walkers, that's who we are tonight. We, we, are, we are in step together. We are in this together. And I need you. And it says here that we are subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We understand each other's needs. We are concerned about each other. 
we understand the roles that God has given as the rest of this is going to go on and talk about some of those, some of those, husbands and wives, fathers and children. It's going to get into some of those specific roles. But the overriding principle of all of this is that we are subject to one another. There's a mutual submission in Christ. If we understand the character of Christ, and we understand what it means to be grounded in him and walk in the light. Tonight, my hope is that maybe you've looked at some of these ideas in this passage before, but maybe have just pulled out a verse here and there, and I hope there's been some reflections to help you connect this entire section of what it means to be an imitator of God, to be in step with the light, with the love of Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, and what that means about how you will live your life as you go into the world tonight and tomorrow and how much we need our time together to reinforce who we are as, as children of light. The time God has given us is precious. It can be redeemed in Jesus Christ. Will you allow it to be in the way that you use your time this week? Let's pray. Father, may we walk in the light as you are in the light. May we trust in our transformation for being people of the world to being people of your kingdom to being your children we pray that as we get distracted and by the things of this world we pray that you would remind us may we remind each other through the songs that we sing uh, through the encouraging words that we can say to each other this week may we remind each other of who we are that we were formerly darkness but now we are light in the Lord may the light that you have poured into our hearts, may it shine not only in our own homes, but may it shine in our places of employment, in our schools, uh, in our neighborhoods, in all that we do. May you use us to help drive out the dark, the pockets of darkness, wherever they may be, in our own hearts, in our homes, or in our neighborhoods. Use us in this way, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, if you are subject to the invitation of God. If you'd like this community of, of saints to pray on your behalf uh, tonight, of fellow light walkers to help you in your walk in the light, uh, then we want to give you a chance to, to ask for prayers. If you're here and you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, as Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39 speak of, uh, it's, a, it's, it's how we respond to uh, the message of, of God's grace of salvation to us. Baptism doesn't mean anything unless it's accompanied by a genuine faith in the working of God, unless it's accompanied by a genuine repentance of a, a desire to walk in the light and no longer in darkness, and, and of a, a willingness to confess that we believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He has died for us, that He has been raised from the dead on our behalf. If you need to make that decision tonight or anything else we can help you with, please come as together we stand and as we sing.